pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, friends, and welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you. John Bishop alongside Josh Peterson. We are going to talk with head basketball coach Jim Flannery of the Creighton women's team as the Jays get ready to steamroll into Big East Conference play. And then on a week where Doug McDermott got his number three jersey retired, we are going to go back in time to his very memorable senior year and look back at some of the highlights of the greatest basketball player to ever do it at Creighton University. It's all coming up this week on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Obviously, the Jays very disappointed after what happened on Doug McDermott night, falling to Villanova in overtime 68-66. to Certainly, there's going to be a lot of questions asked about the toughness in this year's team. Uh, Stephen Ashworth, who was brought in to replace Ryan Nemhard, who unexpectedly left for Gonzaga, Well, we were wondering how he was going to hold up in a very physical Big East conference. And while certainly he shot the ball well on Wednesday night, he had to be taken out of the game in the second half because Villanova's more physical guards were doing a great job of posting up and getting to the rim. And because Ashworth gives up a little bit more than a Francisco Farabello, it led to Coach Mack having to pull Ashworth from the game. That ended up being costly because the Jays could not make an outside shot to save themselves in the second half of that loss. So now the Jays, during this Christmas break, will try to regroup, get some much-needed rest because the grind is about to begin. Two games every week in the very ragged and tough Big East Conference where you have had top three teams who were rated this week, Creighton, Marquette, and UConn all losing their Big East openers. The difference is that Creighton's loss came at home while Marquette and UConn were on the road. And while, yes, every loss counts the same, in reality, they really don't because you really need to defend home court with the advantage that the Jays have at CHI Health Center Omaha to lose that game, and especially on that special night. Not much momentum going into the Christmas break, and the Jays have to regroup very quickly because even though they do have a couple of extra days off, They will be on the road to Marquette on Saturday, December 30th. And the Golden Eagles have kind of had the Jays' number over the last handful of games. So Creighton is going to have to regroup quickly as Big East play is now well underway. More on the Blue Jays and that special night coming up a little bit later on. But right now, let's turn things over to Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. We welcome back onto the podcast, I believe for the first time this season. It is the head coach of the Creighton women's basketball team, Coach Jim Flannery. Flan, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm good. Uh, our our three-game road trip is uh, over, so it's good to kind of be home. And uh, I guess we got three at home, one before Christmas and then two after. So uh, travel when you get older, travel wears you out. 
Oh yeah, it's funny. We we had on one of your players recently, and we talked about that. The the road swing. What, what does that mean to you as a coach to be able to return home, and especially surrounding these holidays that you don't have any road trips? That just has to be massive for the the R and R that you have going into the back half of the season. Yeah, it it is, and we're actually we so we play the twenty first South Coast South Coast State, and then we we're off until the thirtieth St. John's at home. And because it's a home game, we're not bringing them back till the 27th. So they get a pretty good little break. They'll get the 20, you know, 22nd through the 26th off, and we'll convene again, uh, you know, late afternoon on the 27th. So it, you know, I, I tell people our our season is the longest college season. It spans both semesters, and so I think it's good to give them as much time as you can for Christmas because by February, you know, you just you can you you're going to hit a little bit of a wall anyway, but I just think a little bit more time can be really helpful through January and February. Is that something that you have changed or altered over the years as a coach that you have maybe adapted to the the modern game, or is that something that you kind of always you know like doing around this time of year if the schedule allows for it? Yeah, I think I think I've always kind of been wired to give them a little bit more time, and then I think as you get older and you you hopefully you see the big picture a little bit more when you get older. Uh, you realize that maybe that they need that time away, and you know, I they're they're going to be in a gym a couple times over break anyway. I mean, they're not going to sit around their house for fifteen hours a day uh, and eat and watch television. So I feel like they'll 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 hit their local Y or their local Lifetime, and because um, that's just kind of the way they're wired. Speaking of if changes are perhaps not, I, I did want to ask you about this group in particular. It's such a veteran team. You you have coached, uh, you know, so many of them throughout now multiple seasons. What what has it been like coaching this group? Maybe compared to other groups when when maybe they, they haven't been at school for for this long or they haven't been inside of the Creighton program for as many years as as really the core players have this season. Yeah, well, I think a quick example would be yesterday we we started walking through South Dakota State out of bounds plays, and I just. I said, I'm not, I'm not positive how I want to defend this. What do you guys think? What, mm. how do you want to defend it? Um, and of course, in some cases, they're they're right on it. They'll be like, well, this is what we want to do. But they actually thought about it and then they flipped it back on me, uh, which I didn't want because then if it doesn't work, I don't have it out. I, you know, it's my fault. So, but I think, I think when you have a veteran group like that, you you trust them, you ask them more. Uh, you can, you can be a little bit more honest with them. Um, you know, you're not, you're not having to figure out ways to constantly build their confidence. Uh, uh, you, you still have to do some of that, but I do think, I do think they can kind of pick themselves up after a bad game a little bit easier or, or if they get off to, you know, if they miss their first two or three shots, they can kind of flush it and get on to the next play a little bit easier when they're, so I think you just worry less about, you know, kind of kids getting too mental, uh, but you also trust them to to make some decisions on the court. And that's that's what's been fun about one of the fun things about this team is they can kind of self-correct on the court. Uh, I think it's you you have to resist the temptation to overcoach them sometimes. I think we as coaches sometimes we are wired to be a little bit of control freaks and. Um, but I think, you know, I, I try to control the things that I think I know more than they do about. And <laughs> when I think when I think they have the ability to self-correct, I, I try to give them that uh, opportunity. 
it's funny you, you said something there in the in that answer that I wanted to lead right into my next question. And that was just like rebounding after a tough loss. The the, the loss to Marquette, a, a tight game. They get yeah. away in the in the fourth quarter. Given you know what you've said about this group and and kind of being able to ask them, hey, what do you think? Is there less of a worry about how they're going to respond after a tough loss like that to to the Marquette team or or to any other team this year? Yeah, I think I think they can compartmentalize when they get older. Momentum within a game is is real. It's not, it's not fake, but even within the season, I think sometimes you, you can flush a bad game or a, or a tough loss. As you noted, we didn't play poorly against Marquette. We just lost a close game. So I wasn't overly worried about us bouncing back. And, you know, Morgan Molly had a tough shooting game against Marquette and, and, and honestly, she, she didn't get off to a great start against Drake, but she, you know, as soon as that ball went in for the first or second time, she, it was back to old Morgan, you know, and, I think you, 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 you believe that a little bit more as a coach because you, you've seen it more, and and they understand that the ball isn't going to go in every game, and uh, the next game's a new game, and um, so I think you you just you put less worry on on like you said the the, the little bumps and because they they know over thirty games you're not going to have your best every game. Um, so the, the ability to bounce back is, I think, uh, is greater and it's, you're not as, you're not fretting quite as much as you would if you had a younger team. How difficult is it coach to hop into conference play for one game and then go right back into the non-conference <laughs> for a couple before then finally getting into conference play for good at the end of, of December? What, what is that like for, for this group or for you as a coach? Well, it, I think we schedule in a way that it's uh, our non-conference schedule is tough enough that it doesn't, it, you know, playing Marquette wasn't, it, it felt a little different, but it didn't feel that much different because we know how good Drake is. We know how good South Dakota State is. We played Nebraska and Michigan State and, you know, so I don't think it's, hey, we played four teams that we could overwhelm and now all of a sudden we've got to a conference matchup against a really good team. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't mind the one game before Christmas. We were getting to the point where they wanted us to play three before Christmas. And I didn't really, I wasn't a fan of that because I feel like it interferes with your ability to schedule non-conference games and, and have enough prep time to win them, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't mind the one-off, uh, but uh, you know, it was, it was tough when they, when they threw at Marquette in between at Wyoming and at Drake, I knew when I, I knew we'd be on the road, uh, but I didn't, you know, Marquette's a really, really good team. They're 11 and 0. So, um, but to get two out of three on the road uh, over this last uh, stretch was, was pretty good. Is there a finality in, in a part of the season or a turning of the page, a chapter ending in the, in the point where the non-conference season ends until obviously postseason play? Yeah, I think so. I think there'll be, I think, you know, once we, once we play South Dakota State, you'll, you'll kind of be able to flip a page. And I told him after we lost to Marquette, you guys, I said, you guys, we still have a chance to finish nine and one in the non-conference against a really good schedule, a schedule that'll probably at the end of the year be a top 15 to 20 to 25 non-conference schedule. And if we can go nine and one, you know, then we're in really good shape and, and we, and we've helped the league. Uh, so, uh, you know, we got the one at Drake and now we've got South Dakota state. Um, but yeah, and then you, and then you look forward to, you know, I think your players, 
I, I think it's it's great. We play the non-con, but then I, our players will be excited when we get back from Christmas and we start preparing for St. John's in Connecticut because um, there's just a there's just a you know you whether you have a, a, a strong rivalry with some of these programs, you have a rivalry with everybody, especially like we talked about when you have fourth year players and they've played against these teams for three years. There's something that maybe. <laughs> bothered them at some point about whatever <laughs> program you can name. So, uh, so one more for you coach, before we say goodbye, I, I just realized this is the first time that I've had a chance to talk to you since the, the Lexi injury, uh, you know, again, obviously a, a, just a tough career in, in that regard. How, how have you balanced like what that means for her as a person and how have you balanced that with just like what it means for the team and the depth overall of the, of the program? Yeah. Well, I think as long as we, I'll take the second part first, as long as we stay healthy, um, with the 10 that we have, we're going to be fine, but it does, it does put us in a little bit of a precarious situation in case we have another injury or two, because she, I think Lexi had a chance to be a, a, a good player, uh, contribute quite a bit this year and then maybe take off next year if, if her knee had held up, but, uh, you know, that's not going to be the case. And just for her personally, I think she's, She's handled everything so well. I mean, she's her parents have been terrific. They haven't second guessed the things that we've done. They've been really supportive, and um, and I think that's a big part of how she, why she's handled it the way she has is because her parents have been so steady throughout the process. But she's a great she's a great young person, and uh, you know, just you you wish it could have gone better for her. But you know, I've coached long enough to know that there's you know, it doesn't happen too often, but there are, there've been a few cases where it's just, it's just hard to get somebody on the floor because those darn knees, once you, once you, once you hurt them once, it's so easy to hurt them again or, or hurt the other one because you're, you're compensating a little bit too much. So she's got, she's got great teammates who support her and she's got a great loving family. So she'll be fine, but I know um, it's, it's, it's not easy when you, when you have that health taken away from you at, at, at the age that she is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, coach, we, uh, we appreciate you for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you as, as the, the year already comes to a close. I feel like we were just talking in like January or February about some big conference matchups, and now we'll be doing it again very, very soon. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Josh. You have a happy holiday too. Thank you, John. Back to you. The 1620 The Jays podcast will continue with memories of Doug McDermott next. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the 1620 The Jays podcast. Doug McDermott became the sixth Creighton basketball player to have his jersey and number retired, hung in the rafters of CHI Health Center. He joins Kyle Korver, Bob Portman, Bob Harstad, the great Bob Gibson, and the Hall of Famer Paul Silas, who have also had their numbers retired at Creighton University. It was great to see Doug back in the building, and so many of his former teammates and coaches were there for the ceremony this past Wednesday night. Well, when we think of Doug McDermott, of course, we think of all the great memories that he has had, the 3,150 points, and certainly his senior season, one that we weren't quite sure was going to happen, was one for the record books as he had the most points in his career in any one season. He helped lead the Jays into the Big East Conference to a second-place finish, a runner-up finish in the conference tournament, and yet another NCAA tournament bid with a number three seed. And the season got off to a great start. In game four, the Jays went on the road to a very difficult St. Joseph's, and the Jays had to rally back in the second half. And then down late, they went to a schoolyard play to get the game-winning shot. Now, how many times have we seen Grant Gibbs and Doug McDermott work their magic on these baseline entry passes? Do they have something sked up here? 6.9 left. Gibbs into McDermott for a long time. And he got it. And one. Holy cow, McDermott falling to the ground. Buries it. And I believe that's a long two. Yes, it's a long two. They may go to the replay. We'll see. With 4.9 seconds left. And he was knocked to the ground in the act of shooting. Wow. Incredible. That was as tough a shot as he's going to shoot. Well, because he's falling away. They ran a play that Jeff Vanderloo and Greg McDermott were kind of laughing about because it's so elementary in nature. Literally, Creighton's players run in a circle in the lane, just running in a little circle. And then Gibbs slaps the ball. They all screen in for Doug. Doug pops out right to the ball side and catches it and shoots a long two and gets knocked down. Sometimes the most simple things are the most effective things. A couple weeks later, the Jays would host their in-state rivals from Nebraska, and it was an onslaught from the very beginning. Doug certainly loved to beat up on the Big Red. He scored 94 points in his four-game career against the Huskers, including a 33-point effort against Nebraska back on December the 8th, 2013. Three, and it's no good. Rebound McDermott. Here come the Jays. Meanwhile, a couple of players on the floor. McDermott after the pass for three. He's got it. How about this? Tim, Tim Miles wants a timeout, baby. He's got one. And the blue rises to their feet inside of Century Link. Chapman will give it off to Gibbs. Gibbs. McDermott takes a long three and got it again. 
His wow. third five points bank three pointer, and the Jays are up 18 to two. Yeah, he's cooking. You can feel it. Avery Dingman back into the game for the Jays, catches the inbound, now gives it back to McDermott. McDermott going to try to dribble his way into the front court and does all the way in. Dingman's going to take the three from the corner, pins it up, no, but the offensive board and the putback, easy basket, won't get any easier for McDermott, who now has 31. 31 and 6 for McDermott, last eight points for Creighton when they needed it too. Certainly when we think of Doug McDermott memories, the Chicago State game doesn't necessarily come to mind, but it was a milestone moment in that 90-58 game as Dougie McBuckets passed another scoring milestone. Gibbs will dribble to the top of the key outside McDermott. McDermott back to Gibbs. They'll look to the right. Ball nearly knocked away, but into the hands of Chapman. Outside, McDermott will take the long three, and he's got it, and becoming the 64th player in the history of college basketball to have at least 2,500 points in his stellar career. And then came New Year's Eve 2013 on a day where all 10 Big East teams played the Jays and Marquette got the final game of the night. The tip-off happened just after 9 o'clock in Omaha, which meant that the end of the game would back up almost to the start of the new year. The third largest crowd in the history of CHI Health Center Omaha packed the gym for a very emotional night and an appropriate first opponent. No team in the Big East has ever played Creighton more than their longtime old Midwest rivals, the Marquette Golden Eagles. And of course, it would be Doug McDermott who would get the first points ever for CU in Big East history. We are ready. The ball is up, and the tip won by the Jays. Dougie strikes again. Here we go. First play is going to be for McDermott. Look out. Austin Chapman brings it across the timeline. Jays are going to set up. Over into the wing to Grant Gibbs. Gibbs up top. McDermott will shoot the three and bury it. And Doug McDermott with a five points bank three pointer and a lightning fast start for the Jays on one possession. The Jays would suffer their first defeat in Big East play in the month of January in a tough loss at Providence. The Jays would have a very quick turnaround going from a Saturday night game to a Monday night game in Philadelphia against number four Villanova the Wildcats had a ton of momentum at that point they were 16 and one they were undefeated in Big East play and the Jays knew if they were going to keep pace with the Wildcats they needed a big performance oh they got a big performance of course the game on January the 20th is known for the Ethan Roggy game where he set a school record for made three-point field goals but people forget Doug McDermott had five in that game as well. Nine to five, Jays with the advantage. A brief touch for McDermott. Now outside Managa. Managa back to McDermott. He's got a wide open look from three. Buries that one. The All-American with the fourth straight five points bank three-pointer. It's (laughs) 12-5 Blue Jays. It's raining threes in Philadelphia. Chapman now into the corner and a three for McDermott. Yes, the All-American with his third five points bank three-pointer, and the Jays' lead is 26. What a job by Austin Chapman there. He knew exactly where he wanted to go. He wanted to find McDermott, got it to the middle of the floor, jump stop, and found him. Here's McDermott. He wants the three. Oh, yeah! Tug McDermott, and the Jays have just tied their single-game team record for made threes, their 20th five points bank three-pointer, and it's now 82-47. to 
And then eight days later, the Blue Jays would host St. John's. It was a game where Creighton really struggled throughout, but it looked like they were going to have it in control in the second half when St. John's would tie it late. So it was once again up to Dougie McBuckets to become the hero. As the only Blue Jay in double figures, he came up big. Looking to get it in. They get it into Chapman with 10 left. Chapman on the sideline, 8 with 7. Chapman all the way in. Handoff Managa with 5. McDermott, wide open, 3. Oh! Doug McDermott with 2 seconds left. Marys a 5 points. Bank, 3-pointer. Creighton 63 to 60, 39 for the All-Americans. And he just looked over at Jim Jackson and just gave him a look. What a shot! Holy cow! Well, they ran the handoff ball screen and a flare on the backside. You guys remember Mario Chalmers shot in the 2008 finals. It's the exact same play but Kansas never got to the flare. And they set a flare with Rocky and McDermott and McDermott popped back and buried it. Big time players step up in big time moments and make big time plays. McDermott with 39 and potentially the game winner. And then two days after Valentine's Day, it was the rematch with Villanova and you knew the Wildcats would be out for blood. But so too would be Doug McDermott, who would get yet another 30-burger with a practically near-perfect game. 13 of 17 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, and he made all 9 free throws. Chapman dribbles with the right hand to McDermott. Catch and release 3. On the way! Bottom! Good execution. It was the exact same play they ran for the game winner at Butler. They go underneath, and McDermott makes them pay. As they go back to McDermott for another three. Yes, sir! Wide open NBA three. They left him all alone from 28 feet away. And it's 6-4 Blue Jays. Yeah, that's what it is. They're undisciplined in transition. I'm telling you, McDermott's going to have shots. McDermott wants to go through. McDermott stops, fade away from the free throw line. Break, home. Oh, you cannot stop him when he's hitting shots like that. And the Jays lead by 7-18 for the All-Americans. Talk to him. Artino looks for Chapman. Chapman to McDermott. Catch and release. Three. Bang! That ties Larry Bird on the all-time scoring list. Give it to him, Dougie. 64 to 47. And then to senior night, March the 8th, 2014. The Blue Jays, unfortunately, were not going to win the Big East regular season championship after they dropped consecutive road games at Xavier and at Georgetown. But a juiced up crowd of 18,868 were there to watch the greatest player in Creighton basketball history go for 3,000 points. And sure enough, you knew right away he was headed for history. Chapman stops outside Dingman, down low in the blocks. Here's Doug, he works for it. Left-hander is good. Six for Mack, 12-7, Creighton Blue Jays. Uh, he, he is putting on his hard hat and going right into the post and going to work. Against DeRosiers, McDermott wants to clear. McDermott, now they get defensive help and he has to give it up to Chapman, to McDermott. Wide open, three, bang! Uh, he smelled blood with DeRosiers on him. It got him moving around the perimeter, and he's talking to him right now. McDermott feeling it. And now every possession will be anticipated by this crowd. Many of them are standing. 
history could be coming. Gibbs to get it in, gets it into Brooks. They do bring guards in the backcourt. Brooks still with a basketball. 10 second count is on. Brooks crosses into the front court. Now they can set up in the half court offense. A handoff Gibbs, a give back, a look for Artino. They look for McDermott. He's outside the arc. McDermott gets a screen for 3,000! Yes, sir! He has done it! History has been made in Omaha, Nebraska. Fortune for three, it's good. But this place is going crazy. He's got 3,001. Here comes Brooks. Gets it down low for Will. He scores. 70 to 48 and a timeout. Creighton Blue Jays. Grant Gibbs says, give it to my man. Coach Mack applauds. And in the words of Jack Buck, pardon me while I stand and applaud as father hugs son. On a 25 foot three from just to the right of the key, Doug McDermott has joined an exclusive club. He is the eighth player in the history of college basketball to amass 3,000 points. And he's got 11 minutes to go. A hug from Jahans. A slap of hands from Devin Brooks. And now back to work. McDermott does it in style. And there you have it, some memories of Doug McDermott and his senior year at Creighton. It was awesome to see everybody in attendance on Wednesday, and certainly it is going to be great to see that number three hanging in the rafters for once and forever in CHI Health Center Omaha. Well, that'll wrap things up for this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. We will be off next week for the Christmas break, but then we will be back in the new year to talk some more basketball. We're going to start to look ahead to the spring sports, softball and baseball especially, as those programs will begin practice not too far after the start of the new year. So for Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, I'm John Bishop, wishing you again very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of NRG Media Omaha and Creighton University. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.